0: give me a hell yeah I said give me a hell yeah
1: What up, what up everybody welcome to the fight game podcast happy today to have my buddy paul ace fontaine to talk about some new japan pro wrestling and some ufc stuff uh after that what's going on paul uh not a lot
0: just finished watching the dominion show and uh i'm pretty pretty pumped up about it
1: so uh th- i think the the hard part about watching these shows is that Unless you live in Japan, they are often right smack dab in the middle of the night when you should be sleeping. What was your uh, what was your plan of attack in, in trying to get through this show without being spoiled today?
0: Well, originally, I mean, and, and if I was on the West Coast like you are, I think I would have been able to watch it last night. But um, I the UFC show ended at about midnight my time, and I was really hoping to stay up and watch it live or at least try to watch as much of it as I could. And I fell asleep before it even started. So I actually woke up at at 1:40, which is the exact time the pre-show was going to start. And I'm like, "There's no way I'm going to stay up." So I just I went to bed, woke up at 8 o'clock, turned it on, and I was planning to watch it right through. And then kind of real life kicked in, and I had to go away for a few hours. And uh, so I watched I watched the right up until the main event. Uh, and then I had to leave. And then I, I came back and watched the main event. And I had no idea how long it was going to be. So gave myself enough time between the intros and the match and any kind of post-match there was going to be. And I just finished watching it about uh, 20 minutes ago.
1: It's that, it, that, that's kind of crazy that that you were able to to stop and then and ho- hold off on the main event. I'm I'm assuming based on the pacing of the show, you kind of figured that that match was going to be pretty incredible. The, the you'll get a kick out of this. The only time that I've ever done that in a show, you know, which is sort of paused the main event uh, and, and had to go do something was during um, Randy Couture and Tim Sylvia right in the oh, in, my God. In, in the opening round. Uh you know after uh, was it was it was it the first round when Couture knocked him down? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's been I've, I haven't watched that match since
0: it happened, but I just remember that's that probably is the match that got me hooked as an MMA fan. So, and uh
1: yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> so so uh he puts him down and I'm like running late like I, I shouldn't have even watched that part. And I had to go run off and do something with the kids, and I came back two hours later and and uh, and watched the rest of it. That I mean, it was the best part of the of the whole fight. But yeah, that yeah. That, that that that's a tough thing to do, and something that you're like dying to watch. So much like you, I, I waited until the morning, stayed yeah. off of social media all evening, um, and then uh, and then all morning, which was really hard. By the way, uh, I, yeah, I, I think I saw a tweet from Alan l um, about the Kushida match, and I forgot. I was like, "Oh crap!" Like they're going to be talking about this show, and I had to, had to shut down. But it didn't get spoiled, so so that was good. Um, so I guess the the first thing about this show is uh, coming out of it and after watching it, I think the first question that just about everyone is going to ask is which of the two Omega Okada matches did you like best, the first one or this one? Oh, uh, for me, this this
0: one. Not not no question. Um, I didn't even think like I mean, that first match was great. I don't see why it got six stars. And I (laughs) like I don't even think it was his best match of the year like Okada's. And that's no knock on the match. I just thought like he's had so many great matches. And my favorite so far was this is the Suzuki match. But I mean. You know, you can pick any one of them, and and you know, and, and we can have a conversation about it. And neither one of us is going to be right. Um, you know, Okada just had the most amazing year of anybody in history, I think. But this match to me was better. I'm a mark for these draws, you know, that I don't see coming. And um, and I mean, everyone was talking that this might be a 60 minute draw, but it never even crossed my mind until it got to five minutes left. And then I thought maybe, but then I even thought maybe they do a late pin. And, uh, and I mean, I still did like a minute left and I thought it could have been a late pin. So I was just hooked right in and just right involved with it. And I think part of it too, was the fact that I didn't actually see the first one until maybe two weeks after it happened. Um, so about, by that point, I think my expectations were so high that that could have affected it. And if I would have watched it relatively live, like I did this one and I had nothing, I didn't see a word about this match before I watched it. So I think that kind of helped as well.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm very much in the same boat with you, especially around that first match. I think I probably saw it um the uh on the weekend uh when someone had put it on daily motion. And I, I did watch it a little bit more skeptically than, than I would have, just because, you know, you when when you see something rated as highly as that, your your instinct is Oh, I have to like break this down, and I have to you know look at it as where does it not meet this rating? And so I was probably a little biased watching that match. And and I I, you know the other thing that we agree about, and we did not prepare this because I had no idea that you thought the the match with Suzuki was the best one. That was my favorite of of Okada's Okada's best uh, matches this year up until just uh the the Dominion show. Um, I know my buddy uh, John LaRocca, his favorite one is the Shibata matches. So, yep. you know, there, there's Okada's had so many great matches this year that are going to be, you know, in in the running for for match of the year when, when the year's all said and done. So, the um uh, the 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 thing about this match which was a little bit different and we heard Omega saying that, you know, no matter what, this match is going to be different is it, it felt a uh, a little I don't even know how to say this because there were great moves in this match too. But it felt like that was less of the story and the story was more about the punishment each guy, you know, each was giving the other. And Omega just desperately trying to hit his finisher knowing that, you know, hitting the finisher could possibly put Okada away. And so I really liked that story of the match. Um, you know, the, everything seemed like a struggle. Like even even early on, you know, there there was a a, a spot in the corner when they were on, on the top rope, and not, it, it didn't seem like cooperative. That's the that's the word that that I I can think of is it didn't seem cooperative, but it seemed like how you would block someone if they were trying to realistically, you know, sh- 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 uh, shuck you off the top <laughs> rope to so that you didn't hit the floor. Like it it, it just felt. Less uh, uh, of a, you know, of a pro wrestling match in 2017 and more like something realistic that, that that you know, maybe we grew up on uh, or whatever. But, well, you know, you know.
0: Sorry, go ahead. Off there. No, I was going to say, like, one thing that I really thought of and I really it really kind of hit me as you were talking there um, was that the um, if you look at okada's big matches that he's had this year starting with omega and then um suzuki and uh tiger mask w Kodo and then um uh oh shoot what was the other one um or the, well those were the big ones right mm-hmm. um they kind of if you look at the stories of those matches which were all very different this match kind of tied all of those stories in together. You had the Omega match, which was just like it was almost like it was just trying to be like you know the best match ever, quote unquote. Yep. Then you had the Sh- the Shibata match, which was like just this hard hitting um, that you know just each guy was just trying to hit each other's hard and see what they could they could take from each other the suzuki match was one guy just working over that body part for the whole match and then finally just at the end let up for a second and got caught and there was that that part of this match where where omega was working over the knee for like 15 minutes and then you had the um um you know that those were those were the three the three big ones right oh you had the um um the koto Bushi match which was just kind of just this high-flying, you know, everyone hit their moves kind of thing, and just this kind of display of athleticism, and you had all of that in this match, so it was it was almost like all of those stories were coming together. I'm ignoring the A match just because it was, you know, obviously quite a step below the other ones, but I think, like, those matches all built to this one, and that's part of why this one, in my opinion, was better, and, and even for me, like... That wasn't like the first Omega Akata match wasn't even my favorite Omega match of the year. Like I like the Two Ashi matches better, but this one just to me just blew them away. Like and and I told you in a text uh, before we started this. Like this may have been my favorite match I've ever seen. And before this it was it was probably Undertaker Shawn Michaels too. And <laughs> and and now this
1: would probably take beat that. The um I, I had that same thought at about, I don't know, maybe the forty minute mark of the match today. And I just started thinking, have I ever seen a match better than this? The the Michaels matches came came to mind as well, and, and you know, I, I'm a fan of, of of part of number two more so than number one. Um, there's a, there's a raw match that I saw live with, uh, Austin and and Triple H against Jericho and Benoit. And like, that's like, you know, it's not as long and it's not as dramatic and it doesn't have quite the story, but like just bell to bell. That's like one of my favorite matches of all time. And I think this one is, is like right up with anything that I've seen, which is pretty amazing because I think a lot of our favorite matches, you know, Austin, Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13 as well. Yeah. Um, all a lot of our favorite matches come from, you know, it's really hard to sort of rank something you've just seen with something that that you remember as just the apex of, of professional wrestling. So that's a that's a good point, and I think that's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be something from people after they do see this matches whether or not you know is this the best match they've ever seen, which is a little bit different from um, I guess the argument. Uh, I guess that was part of the argument for for the first match. You saw a lot of you know this is the, this may be the, the greatest professional and wrestling match I've ever seen, and so to, to be able to top that, uh, which argue it's it's arguable because it's still early and people are going to have their um, you know they're going to have have their thoughts after they think about it and watch it again. Um, but that it's pretty amazing that both of these guys were able to do that in a different match in a different setting. Um, you know, it's not the, the, the show, you know, the big show of the year, which is, which is the Tokyo Dome show, but it is probably the, the second biggest, uh, show of the year. Um, and, and just, you know, amazing. It's an, it's an amazing match. Like I, I would suggest, I think people are going to be a little, uh, a, a, I guess a, a little scared or, or, or whatever of the, the five hours or, 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 you know, the investment of time to watch this entire show. Um, And, you know, it it does go by much more quickly than than you would think. But I almost feel like, you know, if you just watch the last four matches or or maybe even the last five matches, uh, you know, it's still it's still, uh, you know, maybe the best three hours of of a pro wrestling show that I've seen in quite some time. What what was your uh, what was your second favorite match of the show?
0: Um. I mean, I you know I kind of like to rate the matches as right after I watch them. So really, like I had I had four and a half stars for both um, the um, the Takahashi Kushida match and the Tanahashi um, uh, Naito match. So if you ask me which of those two matches was my favorite, uh, it's tough to pick. Like I would probably say Tanahashi Naito, just because like I I think the the first match was more spectacular and more like, you know, guys trying to kill each other. Whereas I think like the, the Tanahashi match was just more of a solid pro wrestling match and just told a better story. And so I think that would be like, if I had to pick and you said you could only pick one, it would be that one. But I mean, to me they were pretty close. Um, and, and it was like, I, like you said, I mean that just leading up, starting with like the young bucks match, all the way through the rest of the card, it just kept almost getting better and better. You know, I mean, the Suzuki Goto was maybe a touch below the two; it, it was in between. But I mean, they were that was just phenomenal card, and and it started out hot. Like in the pre-show match, the crowd was like it sounded like a main event. Like, and it just they just never let up. Like that was a one of the best crowds I've ever heard, especially on a Japan show.
1: Yeah, and I think what makes real uh, great wrestling shows is. The variety in the matches because my m- the 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 type of matches that I really enjoy watching are a little bit slower and more dramatic with the selling. So I I, I like Tanahashi and, and Naito the style of that match and, and the format and, and the blueprint a lot better than the ju- than the juniors. But the juniors match was just fantastic and it was exactly you know what it was supposed to be, which is Let's let's kick this show in the ass here and let's uh let's ramp this thing up because you know we're about to have uh you know we're we're about to kick this thing into overdrive so it was just the perfect spot for that match um you know I I, I here now here's another question did you see um Osprey and Kushida at, at, in the best of uh, juniors finals
0: Oh yeah yeah and and to me that was I mean I had that one like i I figured it was either four and three quarters or five stars, like to me that was easily the best match of the tournament, and one of my top five of the year so far you know, and there's been so many good matches this year it's it's like hard to pick, but I just love that match, and this one i wouldn't I would say was not quite as good as that one, but I mean they were real close and and I like what you're saying like the thing with the heavyweight matches with me is. It takes it takes a longer time because they're slow developing and it t- it's harder for me to get invested in them. And sometimes you're sitting through the match and you get 20 minutes in and you're like, oh, man, this just isn't getting me. And then all of a sudden they just kick it up. And then that's kind of what happened with this match. And by the end of the match, I was loving it. But then you get a match like Cody and Michael Elgin, which just never got there. So, it, it you know, it's kind of the same similar kind of match, but they don't get there so you're not invested by the end of the match it just feels kind of flat whereas tanahashi naito were just able to take it up to that extra level where you're just right invested in it and um whereas to me with the juniors they're just right off the bat they get you right and and, that's me like with my this kind of wrestling that i like and you know everyone's got their different tastes but yet we have different tastes but yet we can agree on okay the main event was
1: awesome (laughs) so so, (laughs) so so speaking of cody um, yeah. he, he, he's in, uh, in, in a, in a spot in the main event match where he comes down with the towel as if he's going to throw the towel, uh, so to save Omega. But before, uh, before that match, actually right after he beat Elgin, um, he actually said that he wanted Okada, which he is a member of the Bullet Club and you would think that he's kind of thinking that, that Omega going to win the match. So why would he call out Okada? And so as the as the the match goes and and the, the young bucks you know are screaming at him to to not throw in the towel you know what are you talking about what are you thinking, and then after uh, after the match which it ends in a sixty minute draw, um, Cody uh, goes to the back where Okada has his his faux press conference. <laughs> And uh, he spits beer at Okada, and he challenges him. So, I mean, it it looks like nothing has been announced, as far as I know. But it looks like that may be a uh, a match for the Long Beach show in three weeks. How did you see? Uh, how, how did how did you feel about Cody being involved in, in, in you know this big of a match? Being that you didn't really like his match with Michael Elgin.
0: Well, I mean, I i thought when he beat elgin it was inevitable that he was either going to challenge uh tanahashi or okada and i guess i was kind of hoping it would be tanahashi just because i you know i especially when you get to the 60 minute match you kind of hope okay maybe they're going to do a rematch in long beach and you know now it seems like okay they'll probably do okada and cody and again like i and when we were in, uh, when we were at Cauliflower Arley Club, we were we were actually talking with with Dave Meltzer and a few other people about who we thought would main event that show. And I brought up Michael Elgin, so I was kind of hoping to see Michael Elgin challenge for the title. And and he could have challenged either Okada or uh, Omega, so it wouldn't really matter who won the main event. But obviously, if Cody's going to challenge, it had to be Okada, either winning or retaining. Um, But then when he came out there in the end there, I'm thinking, okay, well, what's going to happen here? Maybe he's going to try to cost um, um, Omega the match and then, you know, somehow he doesn't. And then maybe they do Omega and Cody. Cody gets kicked out of the Bullet Club. But clearly at that point, it was obvious Cody's the next challenger. New Japan's pretty – pretty by the numbers when they when they set up their challengers and, and i think it's really good so you can see where they're going and obviously cody was going to be the next challenger um and you know i don't know like i, I it's not that i dislike him i just i don't think he's on the level of of, of these other guys and i i think okada's gonna have a really hard time getting a a four
1: plus star match out of cody but we'll see <laughs> and do you think cody has a uh, has a chance to beat him I, I, God,
0: I hope not. I mean, I guess if he does, the, the story of the match would be that, uh, you know, that maybe Omega took so much out of him that, you know, that Cody was able to capitalize on it. I mean, they'll go into it. I mean, it's a good story because Cody's probably going to win the ROH title uh, in a couple of weeks at the best in the world. So it'll probably be champion versus champion in Long Beach, which is, you know, it's a good story. Um and I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, if the story is that, uh, you know, this match took so much out of Okada that Cody was able to capitalize and, and take the belt. And then, you know, who knows, maybe maybe Omega uh, goes ahead and, and wins G1 again and challenges for the belt. I don't, you know, I don't know.
1: I don't know where they go from there. I mean, but it, it, it does seem that come Wrestle Kingdom 12, that we are probably going to get a third match, which... Um, I I mean I'm already sort of looking forward to it, even though I just watched these guys kill each other for 60 minutes. Because uh, it, it, you know with 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 Omega not getting the win, with him hitting his his one winged angel finisher, but not in the middle of the ring. I mean, there's still so many things that they could they could build up to to uh, to, to in a, in a third match, and uh, I you know I I I don't I don't follow. New Japan as closely as say I follow WWE, just because it's a little bit harder to do so. But um, so that that may not be what they're doing. But it just seems like you know to do it for a third time uh, would be would be you know sort of the right way to do it. I don't know. What do you think about them facing off again?
0: I think I think you're probably right. Um, although I imagine it would depend on whether or not. Uh, um, Omega is going to re-sign with New Japan because I think his contract is up at the end of January 2018. So what they and what they could do, I mean, they could have Cody win the belt and then maybe Omega leaves Bullet Club and beats Cody for the belt. Um, and then maybe Okada wins the G1 and actually challenges Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. That would be a different way to go. And then if Omega's leaving, then Okada could could come out of there as a champion again, having, having won the trilogy or if Okada, or if Omega's staying, then he could retain. And then eventually you'd have to have a fourth match down the road at some point. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, I, I mean, if I had to put money on it, I'd say we're very likely going to see uh, a third match between those two at next year's wrestle kingdom,
1: however they do it. And there's a number of options. So, uh, guess, uh, guess, uh, big Dave's, uh, star rating, uh, come Wednesday night. and a half <laughs>
0: i don't know you know i i was thinking about that because it's it's tough right like if you give six stars it's gonna seem so cliched but i mean i i don't see how you could think that this match wasn't better than the first one uh, unless like there's just something that he saw in that match that would just made it so special and this one wasn't but i mean i almost thought like as soon as he rated that match six stars i thought oh man you know you just shouldn't have done that like, because, you know, every match, it's not six stars from now on. Well, what was wrong with that match? What was wrong with that match? I mean, I think of like Ty, um, Tyler Bate and uh, Pete Dunne, you know, and, and he gave it four and three quarter stars and everyone, oh, what was wrong with that match? What was wrong? Nothing was wrong with that match. You give it, It's four and three quarter stars. It's one of the best matches ever.
1: Like, you, you know, you, people you, just you, don't get it. And, but you know what's interesting is that match on that NXT show you know, based on that card with all those other matches, it did feel like, you know, four and a half, four and three quarter. But if you put that same match on this show, what does it get? Four and a quarter? I think it depends where it is in the card,
0: you know, and the the, the crowd reactions. And, you know, there's a number of things it depends on. But, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I, I just don't think you'd see this match on on that stage. Like, you, you, look at... um. You know, or, or, this, I mean, you could have those two guys wrestle each other, but they wouldn't have had that match. Like, um, Jay Lethal and Adam Cole last year at Wrestle Kingdom had a match, and I mean, it was three stars, you know, and, and that. And then they have the same match in Ring of Honor, and, and it's, you know, four plus because it's just, it's a different audience. Yeah. It's different guys. They're more comfortable. You're just not used to it. And I think, for whatever reason, those guys knocked it out of the park in front of that audience on that night, and I'm not sure they could have done that in Japan. Um, but but give them six months to get for the crowd to get used to them, and then have that match. You know, it, it might have been five stars. You know, it, it's just you know it it's um, it, there's so much that goes into a great match, and and the crowd is a big part of it. Um, you know, I, I heard a lot of guys like talking about the Neville and. Um, tjp match on this last week's 205 live and and it was great and it was better than bait and Dunn and whatever and it's like you just can't even compare them because that 205 live crowd is just so dead Mm -hmm. and they had a great match and and again it was like but how can you rate it like you just you're just not invested when the crowd is sitting there not doing anything and even the announcers are barely awake and and you're half paying attention it's just like you can't – it's just not on the same level. And and I think like there's so much that goes into a match. And, and like even how you watch it like we talked about. Like we watched it rel- this match relatively live with no preconceived notions of what it was going to be and, and formulating our own opinion based on what we saw, not letting anyone else affect what we did. And I was so grateful. I even put something on Facebook today saying, oh, I've watched everything but the main event. And I had a few people comment on my post, but nobody said anything about the main event.
1: <laughs> they so knew. I,
0: I was so glad, you know. <laughs> That. One one guy just said, Oh, he has had like five great matches and that was it. So I knew it was gonna be a great match, but I, I knew that going in. <laughs> you know, like I mean if they had a
1: dud, I would have been that would have been way more shocking than the best match ever. What 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 was your favorite uh non NXT WWE match this year so far? Non non WWE NXT match? No, non NXT
0: WWE, so oh. just the main the main roster. Well besides this one today? Oh, you mean okay, non in, in oh, WWE? In w- yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, probably AJ Styles and John Cena, at the Royal Rumble, and what, um is what, the one that kind of springs to mind. What what did
1: what did you give that? Do you remember?
0: Uh, I think four and three quarter. Okay, um, maybe four and a half. Like because, it, it was. I just remember at that time thinking, man, this can
1: be hard to top. <laughs> yeah, and and and, 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 and like it, it's such a weird thing when you think about star ratings because if I watch like when I watched that John Cena and AJ Styles match, I knew a lot of people were going to give it um, you know a, a really high star rating, but I also thought, well, there's going to be so many matches in NXT and in New Japan that are going to be better than that. But because it's John Cena and AJ Styles, and it was something that the people, you know, the the fans were just really interested in. I, I felt I felt it got slightly overrated. But you, I mean, you you saw it as four and three quarters. I I'm I, I just thinking in the back of my head, like if I if I watched um, Tanahashi and Naito and then Cena and AJ back to back, I think I'd like the Tanahashi and, and Naito match a lot better. And I bet you they get uh probably the same star rating in the observer well
0: and again it comes down to personal taste right and and the style of match that you like and i think with the cena and aj for me it had more of what i like like on the junior matches like that kind of style so i guess you get that with aj but but also cena like he can bust out the big moves but then you also get the heavyweight thing of telling a story and they were telling a story in that match so to me it kind of had both of that um and, and again, like, I'm not even sure that that was their best match. Like maybe last year, your summer was better, but this, like this match to me was the, you asked for this year and it, and it was probably my favorite WWE match this year. At least it's the one that sprung to mind. And I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and, and look and they, I mean, there's so much that, that it all kind of sometimes blends together. But, um, you know, and, and in New Japan, I mean, and I've watched pretty much all the big matches this year in New Japan, not always live. Like I've, Kind of like since the super Junior started i 've kind of been trying to make a point to see this stuff relatively live, yeah because uh, like it 's just i don 't want to be kind of out of the loop, and I want to make my own opinions and i and I enjoy it <laughs> like I, you know i couldn 't wait to see Dominion like I, I again, I wish they aired at a better time, but I mean seeing it the next day is not too bad, especially on the weekend It, it might be a little harder if, if it was like on a Wednesday or something and try to avoid it while you 're at work and bored, and you just <laughs> want to
1: check Twitter, but you can 't. You know? the, the the um yeah and 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 I think you know the the reason and I'm, and I'm in the same boat as you is that the the product has just been so good and it has delivered just about every time um, and you know that's that's why we both are just like trying to trying to figure out a way a way to watch it and it's even going to get uh, a little harder um, depending on how much uh, how much stamina you have come July with the G1 how, how are you planning on oh. trying to watch as much as that as you can.
0: Well, I think uh, you know my idea, and I kind of tested it out a little bit this year with the world with the World Juniors. I was going to say we had hockey in Canada, we called the World Juniors, but um, with the with the junior tournament was you know I'll watch in the morning before I go to work because if they're up already, I can watch at least a couple matches and maybe start with the main event and work backwards, and then at least I'll see I'll see the real good stuff. Yeah, some of those some of those um, uh, you know uh, one camera uh, match with no commentary are really hard to watch but uh you know if you don't watch them you sometimes miss some really good stuff so i I really do try to watch them although i i gotta say like i if it's not a tournament match i'm skipping it like on those cards
1: yeah no i agree
0: i I think that's the way to do it yeah and sometimes you miss really good stuff like a couple years ago when i first got new japan world i was trying to watch everything and i saw some really cool six and eight man tags that you know i probably never would have saw Um, you know, especially with like guys like Ashii, who's like really probably my favorite wrestler, um, you know, in, in some of those six and eight mans that, you know, they're setting up the matches for the next day on the tournament shows. And, um, you know, those are really good, but man, you only got so much time in the world and you can see those matches anytime you want on new Japan (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, okay. Uh, just going to go, give me your quick and immediate thoughts, on uh, some of these matches that, that we haven't really talked about yet I'm gonna skip I'm gonna skip the first uh, the first three the the pre-show match uh, was uh, Finlay and a lot of the young guys um, and, it, and it was it was good because all those guys are just basic fundamentals and and you know they they don't really go off of you know outside of what they what, what those fundamentals are um, and uh, and the first actual match, was um, Tiger Mask, Tiger Mask W, Makabe, Nagata, uh, beating Tenzan, Liger, Kojima, and Nakanishi. Um, And then in the gauntlet for the Never Six Man uh, titles, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi uh, won the match to retain their belts. And so uh, let's start with Young Bucks beating Rapungi Vice. Give me your quick and immediate thoughts. Okay, and I, I just
0: want to say one thing about the opener. Was um, when Kitamura tagged in, and and he was in there against Oka. The pop from yeah. the crowd, just like this was like a Shi'i squaring <laughs> off with Hanma. Like it was, and it just got me like thinking, man, this is gonna be a great show if the crowd is this hot already in an opener. And I think Kitamura is gonna be a big, big star in like not too long a time. But to the Young Bucks match, um, I was a touch. To- Disappointed, it wasn't quite as good as I thought it might be. I'm not a huge fan of Rapongi Vice and the Bucks. To me, are I like them, but I don't think they're like the best tag team ever, like a lot of people think. So I kind of gave it like three and a half, three and three quarter stars. It was a, it was a good match. It was a real good match, and Young Bucks won. And I like the Michael Jordan storyline that they went
1: with, of six time champs. So yep. that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think uh it, it was. It, it, it was a little how how do I even put this I guess it was a, a, a little lesser than than you'd expect based on how much of the bucks that that you've seen and I think I liked that I think I liked them a little bit more tapered tapered down but they weren't really in the spot to to steal the show um, and so I think they they had a really solid solid tag team match there was actually pretty darn good psychology in this match too even though you know some of the the goofy spots where um i think it was uh nick did like a senton off the top to break up uh, a submission or yeah. something like that was kind of goofy i was like yeah, oh was crazy. maybe a, like an axe handle or an elbow would have been sufficient but um <laughs> overall you know i thought i thought i thought it was fine and it, and it was it, it like you said earlier it really kind of kick-started things as well it um, it, it made that sort of seem like okay, like this this show is really is really starting now. Um, the uh, the Grills of Destiny beat War Machine to get their IWGP Tag Titles back. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, again, it
0: was uh, you know hard hitting. You know pretty much exactly what you would have expected. Nothing better, nothing worse. Um, they had a really good. They had a cool story at the end where um, uh, I think it was Ray Rowe um, had the chair that. Um, Tomatongo was going to hit him with, her. it might have been Tongaloa, and then he got the chair from him, and then rather than hit him, he throws it out of the ring, and then the and then Tongaloa hit him with the chair, nasty chair shot. Um, I didn't quite like that, and then they they ended up taking the titles. So I mean, you're probably going to get a rematch with these guys. Um, you know, I, I probably gave it three three and a half stars somewhere in there. I mean, it was it was solid. It was exactly what you'd expect, and
1: uh, you know, I'm, the fans seem to like it, so that's all good there was there was a spot in the match where i think it was hanson springboarded himself off the middle rope and i was like oh man they they need to tighten those things after this match <laughs> like that dude yeah. that dude for being so big he uh he he's he's pre- he's pretty agile and uh and and in doing stuff like that it looks kind of weird because he is so big and you don't expect it to happen yeah. and it's sort of like okay. it's sort of like Elgin in a sense too or Elgin in a sense because he is also so athletic so when he's not doing power stuff and he is actually doing agile stuff it just looks weird uh, but yeah. it's just you know it just shows that that these guys uh, you know have some athleticism to them which is which is pretty cool so we talked about Cody Uh, We talked about the Kushida match. Uh, The last one that we didn't really talk too much about was Minoru Suzuki beating Hiroki Gotu to to retain his never openweight title. They did a wacky lumberjack death match, um, which, of course, created lots of plunder and and cluster and and all that. Uh, But Suzuki did, uh, did, did win the match. What did you think? Um, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big, big Suzuki fan. I, I said
0: earlier that a she's my favorite Suzuki might be my second favorite. I just, and, and he shouldn't be, <laughs> you know, based on the character he plays, but I just love, you know, the, the fact that he's just like, to me, he's like the best pure heel in wrestling and, and just everything he does just to get over his character. And, um, I, I like, they told another, like, story here. They had the the Chaos members and the Suzuki Gun members at at ringside. They had Taichi show up at the end and kind of cost, um, go to the match. But then in the post-match, you had Yoshihashi kind of get involved and he fought off all the Suzuki gun members by himself so clearly he's going to be the next challenger for Suzuki probably in Long Beach and that should be you know probably pretty easy match for Suzuki just to kind of get through to the next whatever they're going to do next with him um, but but I, you know it was a, it was a good match um, really good and maybe because I like Suzuki so much I probably rated it higher than some would I, I gave it like four stars and to me yeah to me that was at that point it was the best match on the show so far
1: so, um, yeah, that,
0: so, so that, well, no, the Kshidi match, sorry, the Kshidi match was before that. So right, right, that would have right. been the best match. Yeah. So the,
1: uh, oh. you know, the show, the, sh- the sh- <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's okay. The show was great. Um, yeah. you should go see it. Uh, the main event was just, uh, another level uh, of specialness. And, and even if you are not a fan of new Japan, or maybe you don't know a lot about new Japan, um, it's matches like this that kind of create new fans um they are so one you know one in a million that uh that they de- that that you you definitely should should take a look at it and uh and and you know f- go out of your way to find it because the, the, it, it you know it's it's not too often that you're gonna see a match this good um, okay so because I have you um I did <laughs> want to talk about a little bit about the UFC not really about last night's card or an upcoming card mostly about this Demetrius uh, Johnson uh situation with the UFC. You have a you have a website called uh, MMA Draws and so you pay attention to a lot of this stuff about, you know, who's drawing and who's who's uh, getting, you know, getting good buy rates and who does good ratings. And Demetrius Johnson is in the he's kind of the placeholder of, you know, fantastic fighter but also someone who not too many people care about outside of the super hardcores. And so, uh, you know, earlier this week it came out that he uh he, he actually I think he he didn't he, he he was he on Ariel's show? Is that is that where the stuff came from? Well,
0: I think I think he posted something on social media maybe the day before and then Ariel had him on to kind of explain it more in detail. And and, and, I think that's what happened.
1: And and so basically the, the gist was he feels that the UFC is um, forcing him into fights that, that he doesn't necessarily think are the best ones for him, but in addition to kind of um, also limiting his, you know, his, his, what he can do as far as uh, whether he gets, um, you, you know, the pay-per-view uh, points and, and such. So, uh know, correct me if I'm wrong, because th- this is kind of convoluted just based on the back and forth, but he said that... He had a fight with with Ray Borg. Um, he originally had wanted Sergio Pettis because he thought Pettis was a slightly bigger draw. And the guy, I, f- I forget the guy's name, who who books that division, but he went back. He went to Dana White, and then they they went back and um, told him that they want him instead to fight uh, TJ. And TJ was originally supposed to fight. Uh, Cody, uh, as if you've been watching the the Ultimate Fighter show this year, that it's built around them fighting uh, Dillashaw versus Garbrandt, and so um, DJ, who DJ originally said, well, you know, I I would take a fight with Cody because I think he assumes that Cody is, is is someone who could help him draw but for some reason didn't want to take the same fight with TJ because he thought TJ was a little bit too big, couldn't make the weight, and would kind of stop his progress of breaking the the all-time uh, title defense record. So lots of back and forth. And then it also came out, according to Demetrius, that Dana White said if he doesn't take the TJ fight, they're just going to sort of get rid of the division. And so that was kind of a bully tactic if that's if that's what happened. I don't know why, why DJ would lie. And then it came out after... Um, You know Dana White said, you know, a couple things here and there. Most most of it being, you know, Conor McGregor is actually the pound for pound, you know, king or whatever. Like, who cares about that stuff? But I wanted to get your thoughts on this on this Demetrius Johnson stuff because I've seen arguments on both sides. One, you know, being UFC is in the wrong, and the other that that Demetrius is in the wrong. And I think there's there's a little bit of 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 gray here, and I think both of those statements can be true. But just from you know, from you watch these numbers, you see the the numbers that DJ draws, ratings and, and pay per view. Well, where do you sit on this whole scenario? Okay, well, um, going back kind of over what you said there,
0: I think first of all, I maybe he was on my site or maybe it's just obvious but he's he's right in the sense that first of all Sergio Pettis is a slightly bigger name than Ray Borg if you go I've got like all rankings for all the divisions and I actually go like pretty in depth every Every month or two, I put out rankings of each division. And uh, Sergio Pettis—I don't have the numbers in front of me—but I think he was like ninth, and Borg is like thirteenth. So I mean, they're pretty close, but but Pettis is slightly higher. So he would be right in the sense that Pettis—and I think just you know anecdotally, like you know Sergio Pettis is Anthony Pettis' younger brother. It's it maybe a better story. Ray Borg, unless you're a super hardcore fan, you have no idea who he is. So yeah, you know Pettis would have been a better fight. But then between the two of them, TJ is a way bigger name than than anybody in the flyweight division besides Demetrius and probably on the same level as Demetrius. He's a former bantamweight champion. He's headline pay-per-views. He never did any numbers as a champion either, but his no numbers are better than DJ's. Um, and I think like Mike Gutt would say like DJ against any flyweight um, in the current division is probably not breaking 110,000 buys on pay-per-view, whereas a, a fight with TJ might hit 200,000. And I think Cody is pretty much at the same level as as TJ. He's actually lower on my rankings on the bantamweight, but that's just because he hasn't really had time to build up his name yet. And I think he's probably slightly underranked by the way I figure out my ranking. So I, I think Cody and TJ are both the same level, and it doesn't really matter. So I don't know why DJ's putting up such a big fuss about T about fighting TJ or Cody, uh, except for the fact that Cody's injured anyways. So what difference does it make? Like that Matt, he's got to have a fight soon. Cody's not ready. TJ is, I think he should just fight TJ. It's going to make him more money. He's uh, going to make UFC happy. Um, he's got some points there. And I think like threatening to scrap the whole division is just it- Dana says and does a lot of stupid things. And this is one of them. If he actually said that um, I don't think they should scrap the whole division. But then again, if they did, I don't think they'd really miss anything. Um, it's not going to be a draw. If DJ all of a sudden moved to bantamweight or retired, I mean, there's no one in that division that could carry it. Brandon Marino is about the only guy that I could see potentially being a star down the road. But he's got to win a few more fights. But I think he's got a personality. I think he could be a draw, especially to the Latin American community. But, I mean, that's it's a, there's a lot of ifs there and um yeah i just think like i just don't get why dj would even want to pick this fight
1: do, do you think it has to do with the fact that um maybe maybe matchup wise he thinks tj tj's a little a little bit of a, of a tough fight for him because he keeps bringing up this you know breaking the title defense uh record um and then you know like 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 you said like what's the difference in in TJ and Cody really uh, uh, drawing wise they're probably really close to to the same so that's the, the uh, while I stand for for DJ and most you know and for fighters who who don't just you know say yes to to say yes necessarily they look out for their best interests, that's the outlier for me when it comes to DJ's argument
0: Yeah, you might, you might have a very good point there. And I mean, it's, it's hard to say because you're talking about a different weight class and and maybe, yeah, DJ sees something in TJ's game that he thinks he'd have a problem with. Whereas Cody thinks maybe he could avoid, um, I think Cody is a way harder puncher than anybody he's, DJ's ever fought. So if, if Cody caught him, it's 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 over but maybe he feels that he can he can stay away from him whereas and especially if cody had to cut to 125 maybe he'd lose some of that power whereas tj's game would, the wrestling and the uh you know the tenacity and the cardio is gonna is gonna stay with him if he drops to 125 but but again like i and and i mean and again the difference being like you know, you're talking about maybe 100,000 buys. I don't think you're into pay-per-view points at that point yet. So yeah. DJ's going to make the same money whether he fights Ray Borg, Sergio Pettis, Brandon Marino, or some <laughs> guy they sign off the street, um, or TJ Dillashaw. So for him, if he's trying to break a record, he probably wants the easiest fight. Right. And so you go from a guy like Ray Borg that they all agreed to apparently, and then all of a sudden they said, no, we want you to fight TJ now. And then DJ's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, first of all, this is a way tougher fight. Secondly, he might not even make weight. And if he doesn't make weight, then I'm wasting a fight because I can't break the record. So if you take him at face value, and I'm not sure if I can, but if you do, it could just be that he feels that Cody could make the weight, whereas he doesn't see any chance TJ could. And if that's the case, then he's wasting a fight because his only reason to stay in that division at this point is to break Anderson Silva's title defense record. And as soon as that's done, I think he's moving up to bantamweight. And uh, and you know trying his luck there, or maybe just retiring. You know if he if he's had enough with UFC, and and you know he's yeah he's still a fairly young guy. So I I, I tend to think he'll move to bantamweight, but you never know.
1: Did, is it, is there anything to him? Do you think that the UFC is not doing correctly? Cause that's also part of his argument is that they don't put the marketing dollars into him like they do with some of their other folks. And some of that is obviously that they just don't see that in him. So they don't want to take the risk of, of putting money into him when they don't think it's going to work. I look at, I look at DJ and I see somebody who is, um, from a sports perspective, like, like a, like just a a great, a great fighter for the, for the sport. He, you know, he always comes to, he always comes to fight. He's always has a smart game plan. He always seems to be a step ahead of his opponent. And, and, in in some sense that's kind of like, you know, for, for, from the sporting aspect of it, he's just, he's just great at what, at what he does, but I also see him. And I think the most intriguing thing about him is the fact that uh he's a video game nerd because that's what my kid tells me. Like, oh, you know, I, I was I was on a a live stream with, with Demetrius Johnson and he's like chatting with us, you know, while he's playing this video game. And I don't think that in of itself is very marketable. Um and, and like I I just don't I just don't know what else the UFC could do for him.
0: I I think um I think UFC listens to the fans, they listen to the numbers, and they listen to the business indicators. So if they see – if they sense a groundswell uh from the fans or or if they see something in the numbers that intrigues them, they're going to get behind someone. I, I mean, if you look at when they started pushing Conor, I mean – there had to be a reason for that because if you just looked at the numbers, there was nothing to indicate that he was going to be this big super draw. But they listened to the fans, they listened to the social media, and they could tell something was going on. If they would have put that same effort into marketing Demetrius Johnson, I mean, he probably would be a slightly bigger star than he is now, but he wouldn't be Conor McGregor. And he probably wouldn't even be John Jones. And he might not even be, um, you know, Jose Aldo. Like, it's. It, I think there's a lot of people that if you talk to them they might even say, "Oh, I wish they'd just shut up about Demetrius Johnson, keep telling me he's the he's the uh greatest fighter that ever lived and all this stuff and meanwhile you got people walking out of the arena during his fights." Like um, you know, the commentators can say so much, the com- commercials can say so much, but when you've got fans walking out of the arena during your fight, that te- that speaks loudly. You know, and I mean, it doesn't, it hasn't been happening recently, but it has happened with him. And I mean, the same thing happened with Anderson Silva for a while, like when he was coming up, like until he got in that feud with Chael, um, he was probably the worst drawing champion they had. Um, and, and then, it, you know, once he kind of you, so I think DJ needs that rivalry and I just, I just don't think it's there at, at least not yet. And I don't see anyone on the horizon that that's going to come there. And and you need that in UFC to create, um, a draw or to create a, you know, even for one, one fight, uh, you know, a kind of a big story. And then maybe you can come out of that as a bigger star, like happened with Anderson Silva and Shale Son. It doesn't always happen. Um, Rashad Evans and Rampage Jackson had that huge rivalry that did the million dollar, gate and then once that was over both guys stock just fell yeah and there's no reason why because rampage was a big star going into that rashad was kind of a higher level guy and once that fight was over it was like they both just kind of fell off the map so i mean it doesn't always work but it's your best shot and and i just think like i don't think that division is ever gonna draw and i don't know why i i mean i i really don't because every time i see him fight i, I walk away with it this is the best. Fighter I ever saw, <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm a big fan, and I just I just don't understand why, but but you can't ignore the fact that 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 it it that he's not a draw, and if he was going to be a draw, he'd be one by now. So I think he should be happy making the money he's making, and I know that sounds bad, and I don't think he should just take you know don't take whatever they give you kind of thing. Like that's terrible, and it's not you know I, I really should feel better about the fighters, and and they do deserve more money, but um you know he. Is not really in a very good bargaining position right now. I'll just say, and and if and if they're prepared to shut down the division, they're probably not going to lose out. The guys that want to stick around will move up to bantamweight, and the other guys can go fight somewhere else. You know, and and Bellator doesn't even have a
1: flyweight division, so I don't know where they go. You you just mentioned Bellator, and that was the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, which is Bellator has a show uh, in two weeks. Uh, they are running a pay per view. Uh, from Madison Square Garden, Chael Sonnen, Vanderlei Silva, Fedor, and Matt Mitrione. Um, what, what do you think about that show? Do you think it has the uh, the, the chance to to do some decent business? Um, obviously, you know, not not to the level of, of what UFC would consider a, a good a, a good buy rate. But um, what, what do you think about the way that they've been marketing that, and and does it have a chance to succeed?
0: Well, I, I think. Uh... My gut says they're not going to do any better than what the their last pay per view did, or their only other pay per view, which was uh, Rashad. Or I mean, sorry, Rampage and King Mo. Um, that was when Rampage was, you know, a much bigger uh, star than he is now. Um, is uh, three years ago, um, and Fedor. The last time he headlined a pay per view, we're probably going back 9, 10 years, and it did like ninety thousand, a hundred thousand. And I don't think he's any bigger than he was then. I really don't think Chael Sonnen and Derle Silva is going to happen. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll see, but uh, he's no showed just about every promotional thing that they've done for it uh, at this point, and uh, I just I, I won't believe that they're going to fight until they lock the cage door behind them. But I mean, even if they do or don't, I'm not sure Chael Sonnen is even a shell of the draw that he that he was when he was fighting Anderson Silva and Wanderlei Silva's never really been a big draw in the U.S. So I mean, it's a great card. It's probably the best card they've ever put on if it stays together. I mean, you've got the best fights are kind of underneath Michael Chandler's defending his title, and you got um, Douglas Lima and uh, Lorenz Larkin uh, for their welterweight title. But I mean, the big names are on top. And then they got Aaron Pico debuting. I mean, that means nothing, but it's a good showcase for him. Um, but yeah, like I, I mean, I think their top end that they can hope for is a hundred thousand buys, but could be a lot worse. And the fact that they're running MSG, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna lose their ass on this show, uh, you know. And and I don't, I mean, I guess Viacom's got a lot of money and they can afford to, but I just, uh, I I'm I was surprised that they're doing another pay per view, and they're talking like. This is going to be a somewhat regular thing, like not every month or anything, but maybe three, four times a year. So we'll see. I mean, maybe I'll be surprised. I hope I'm surprised. I mean, I'd like to see some competition. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't particularly like the idea of maybe having to spend more money for more than one pay-per-view a month. But if it's, uh, you know, good competition and you get guys jumping around from fit, from company to company, you
1: get to see new fights. I mean, you know, I'm all for that. I, and, I, and I think that's got to be their hope, right? Which is yeah. U, UFC... Uh, you know, has guys who are a little bit disgruntled, but UFC has also put marketing dollars behind them. Someone like Roy Nelson, uh, who comes over to Bellator, and he's not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a a draw, but he is someone who, who people will recognize because of his name. Uh, and I think they have to, they have to hope that, that the UFC is, is gonna do uh, more of that, which is, you know, getting rid of a lot of their older, slight, maybe slightly more expensive talent. Who uh, who they don't believe is going to be worth it, and and Bellator can can kind of prop them up uh, against folks in 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 you know easy easy booking to to help these guys get get some wins, and then and then maybe create some some feuds, kind of like uh, you know what they've been able to do with the, with this show. So I think I think it's pretty it's, it's an interesting way of doing it. Um, I think the competition is good, even if. There, the competition isn't really much yet. It's just kind of like Bellator is trying a few different things, and the UFC's you know pretty uh, untouchable still. Um, I, 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 I sort of feel like if if Bellator does uh, uh, an impressive uh, number, maybe bigger than than what what we expect. That uh, that that there may be a little bit, you know, more people going, oh, you know, this is good and this is good for the sport and I'm going to support them. So I I hope I hope that happens just so we create a little bit of competition. But um, like you, I mean, I'm thinking pretty um, not not going over the top on a prediction for for a pay-per-view here. They still got a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but but again, you know, it's it's nice that they're trying and uh we'll see. I mean, I I I, li- I like what you're saying too. Like they, I mean, they they're not even going after like they've hired they've they've got some younger guys that they've even given contracts to. Like Roy McDonald is only 27. He's in the prime of his career and and they just signed him and they gave him Paul Daly kind of a easier opponent to kind of build them up and he'll probably challenge for the welterweight title next they got benson henderson lorenz larkin's not too old so i mean they're bringing in some names ryan bader is you know a little on the older side but but he's uh still in his prime um so i mean yeah they, they've got some some good names and and they're talking like you know anytime a guy's a free agent ufc they're probably getting an offer and that can only be good for for those guys um it may not be good for bellator if if they're spending a lot of money on these guys but you know i mean they're Till they stop doing it there must be a reason why they're they're continuing so i, I hope uh, as a fan that that it works out because like i said i think competition is good um and uh you know back uh you know like as going back to wrestling how we started i mean it was never any better than when wwf and wcw were were both at their peak competing for people you just had the best of both worlds all the time and i'd love to see that in mma as well
1: all right, man. I appreciate you hanging out. Uh, I know this is uh, kind of it was a, a last minute deal, uh, and, and you and you were available, so I, I really appreciate your time. Um, if you want to check out Paul, uh, Twitter is uh, Paul Ace Fontaine, and also you. Uh, I already mentioned MMA Draws, your your, your website, and also you're writing uh, and doing stuff for the Wrestling Observer. So um, you are you are a busy guy. In addition to being a busy family man as well yeah yeah it's uh, yeah all those those things you mentioned
0: uh every i kind of tend to focus on the ratings so usually every wednesday i'll have a ratings article on the site and then i cover uh usually every other ufc show so you can catch me out there and yeah twitter and uh, mmadraws.com and yeah this has been a lot of fun thanks no thanks for I, having me uh, on
1: you know I, I i will i will you know hit you up as as, as much as i can because i think uh Getting kind of the immediate reaction on stuff like this is is pretty important. So if, if you are available down the line, I will come calling again. Sounds good. All right. So for Paul, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.